My son, Grant, loves to drive. (laughs) He has loved to drive since he was a little, little guy. One time when he was really little, I took him by the shoulders and I shook him and I said, don't you ever grow up. Do you understand me? Don't you ever grow up. And he says, but dad, I have to. I'm going to drive a trash truck. (laughs) When we used to go to BJ's, we would always have to park in front of the garage while Betty did the shopping so he could watch them in the shop. Just now, recently, we went on vacation. He wanted to go to a junkyard to see if we could find parts. He, he thinks it's fun to look up cars on the web and sends me all the links and says, this isn't much, is it, Dad? And I say, yes, it's always a lot. I think that one of the first times he drove, though, it wasn't with me. It was Joe Caracappa. He let him drive the pickup in a field when he was about six or seven. John Moraney followed up around 10 and let him drive his pickup. And so this problem is partially their fault as well. Karen Cronstrom did as well. That's true. That's right. We've been going to the car show for probably since he's been seven years old every single year. He watches Fast and Loud, um, Counting Cars, Top Gear, Roadkill, Dallas Car Sharks. That's what he does on TV. One time, he came home, and he was about five, and John LaGuardia had come to our house, and John had parked his car in our driveway, and he just couldn't bear it, and he broke out in tears. His car's in our driveway, Dad. It matters to him. Where's the car at, Dad? What car are you driving today, Dad? That was the question, always. Matter of fact, at one time, I don't know if he can do this now, but at one time, he could tell you every single car that was parked in that parking lot and who drove it, every single one of them. He learned how to drive a five-speed when he was probably 11 or 12 sitting in the passenger seat while I would clutch. He couldn't wait to take his written test. He couldn't wait to practice driving. That boy has wanted to be a driver since he was very, very little. He's chosen, he believes right now he's in the auto collision program at the tech school. He believes that's what he wants to do. It's still cars. Getting a learner permit is not enough for Grant. Getting a junior license is not enough for Grant. Having mom and dad in the car while he's driving is not enough for Grant. (laughs) Having a curfew is not enough for Grant. He wants to be a driver. With his license that he gets to drive 24-7, he wants to be a driver. He wants to be the real deal. Nothing less than that, than being a full-fledged legal driver will be okay. He is driven like he is about very few things in life than about cars and driving. He has a singular thought and motivation, and nothing less than being a driver will satisfy him. Question for you. Is that the way you feel about being a follower of Christ? That nothing less than being a fully devoted follower of Christ will be okay. It's not enough to come to church. It's not enough to read your Bible. It's not enough to be kind of participating, but that your desire and drive is to be a fully devoted disciple of Christ. Two weeks ago, we talked about following. You remember? Being ambassador, being identified by that. Last week, um, David Nelson talked about a process to becoming a follower This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. Open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. 
And here in this passage, Paul is writing, and he says this, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed with overflowing gratitude. You see here, he speaks about that it's not enough to receive Christ. It's not enough to be rooted in Christ. But the goal is to be established in Christ in verse 7. In, in, in 1 Thessalonians, you're going to see the same thing again in chapter 3, verse 12. In that chapter 3, verse 12, he says there, and, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another for all men, just as we also do, so that he may establish your heart. So he may establish your heart. See, and the same idea is in, in, flip, in Ephesians 3. If you flip back there to Ephesians 3, and, and keep your finger in Ephesians. We're going to be there several times this morning. So in Ephesians 3, he says this in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you may be rooted. And there he didn't say established, but he talks about grounded in love. Grounded in love there. And then back in Colossians again, he says a similar passage in Colossians 1.28, where there he, he speaks of it like this. He says, And we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that he may present every man complete in Christ. Do you see that in Paul's writings, there is this similar theme, this theme that runs through his writings, that you may be established, that you may be grounded, that you may be complete in Christ. And he goes on (coughs) in Ephesians 4, 13 there, and he says this, until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. To a mature man. And he says that the result of this, keep reading there, and he says in in verse 14, he says, and the result of being being grounded, of being established, of being a, a mature man, He says the result of that is so that we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by trickery of men and by craftiness and and deceitfulness and scheming. He says that the result is that we are grounded, that we are not, so so that we're not thrown about by everything that we hear and everything that we think we hear and the newest, you know, TV preacher or the newest book are the newest talk show. He says that when you are grounded and established, what happens is, is none of that stuff sways you because you know what is true. And you're not moved by all that. And then finally, in Philippians chapter 3, 7, please flip over there. He says this, but whatsoever things were gained to me. These things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. 
More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them to be rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, and I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from Christ on the basis of faith. Do you see what he's saying there? He says, he says this thing about being established, this thing about being, being grounded, about being found mature, about being able to be measured against the standard of Christ and being found not lacking. He says, that thing, because I want that thing so much and nothing less than that, what I've done is I've set aside everything else that I could say I had so I could have that. Matter of fact, that word for rubbish there even does not just speak about trash, it speaks about the filthiest of trash there. He says, it's just not that it's worthless. It's just not that it's, it's not good. He says, that stuff is as meaningless and as worthy as the filthiest of trash. All of that I've set aside so I can know Christ and be found firmly established, grounded, mature in him. This morning, I would venture to say that many of us would say that we might be striving toward that, but we haven't found ourselves there yet. Now then, I'll change the subject just a little bit. Do you believe you attend a church that helps you become that? It's a risky question. That's my job I'm talking about there. Do you believe that you attend a church that is helping you to become firmly grounded, firmly established, mature in your faith? Well, thank you very much. I heard that. Amen. Glory. Well, for you, Jerry, I know that for sure. This morning, I want to ask you to consider a few things and to think about a few things and to think about who we are, who we become, and who we're becoming. Because, see, the goal is, is that we need to be e- equipped for ministry. We need to be becoming established and mature in our faith. And if you're here today and looking for a church and you're not sure if this is it, the question you need to walk down this aisle after the service and say, can you tell me that if I come here, you will help me become mature in my faith and grounded? Because that's the most important thing. That is the most important thing. That's, the, that is, that's what you need to be asking us. On your little connection card, you just should say, will you help me become mature in faith and grounded in my faith and, and help me to put aside all things so I can be like Christ? I've never seen it yet, but it'd be pretty cool if I did. This morning, our goal as a church is to take Ephesians 4.12 and help committed followers become equipped for for helping to equip the saints for the work of service. You see in that verse the the essence of like when we say we want to make committed followers and we want to help them, equip them so they can be sent and so they can serve. And so here at Crossing, that's what we want to do. 
We want for people to be able to come here and say that when I came here, they offered me the opportunity to, to learn how to study my Bible. They offered me the opportunity to know how to be a better godly dad. They, they, I would want Jason right over here to be able to say, because I attended Crossing and that little baby, they taught me how to disciple that child and my other child. And that if I hadn't have come to Crossing, I might not have known that. I'd, I'd want for, for, for Mr. and Mrs. Ashton over here that are a year into their marriage to be able to say that if I hadn't have come to Crossing, I would have known how to lead her and to cherish her and to disciple her as her husband and, and for her to say that I would not have known how to have respected him and that our marriage would not have been what it is if I hadn't have been at Crossing. That's what we desire for us to be like. We were making strides in that. We were growing in that. We would long for, for people to say that they come here and they learn how to use their, their finances in a way that honors God. We, we pray that we, people would come here and they'd say that I am single, and beca- but my singleness is not a deterrent to me, that crossing helped me understand that and how God used it. I am widowed, but that is not something I grieve God has taught me and given me a new mission in losing my spouse because I've been here. That crossing would help us to understand chronic dis- disabling disease and how God purposes that. That God would help us to take debilitating personal loss of a family member and say that I understand that God takes beauty from ashes and purposes pain. And new ministry grows out of that. I'd long for people to be able to say that that. They, they hated their jobs and they saw no reason and no value in their job, but because they came to cross and they learned that their job is where they were sent and it was their mission field and it was purposeful that God put them there and that those people who were there were people that God had put in their life so that they would have a ministry to those people. I love the story recently where one of our people went to their very first day of their job, very first day of their job, and the supervisor says, this is happening in my life. I'm going through a breakup of a family. I hope you don't mind if I talk about religion. And through the encouragement and the prayers of our person here in that relationship, that person, the supervisor, was encouraged to stay. And now the supervisor is talking to the employee about how God is working their life. That job has purpose. Eternal purpose. It's not about learning a trade. It's not about making money to pay the bills. It is about eternal purpose there. And each of our jobs has that. If we open our eyes and we ask God to reveal it to us. The same thing is true about the baseball team, the soccer team, the stands where you sit and you sit with all the other parents and you scream at the children and the coach. You're there with those people for a reason. The same thing is true about the people who live next door to you that make too much noise and they kids throw stuff and their dog comes and does stuff and leaves you things on your lawn as well. All of those people are there for a reason because God placed them there and he put you there. He sent you to that house. He sent you to that soccer team and to those people in that soccer team. And so that cubicle and the person in the cubicle next to you, you're there for a reason. God sent you there. College students, you know, you're in that classroom, you're in that suite because God sent you there. And the people you're there are there for a reason. 
God is just so intentional. And he sends us to these people and places for a reason for us to serve them. That's what we believe. We're hoping that by attending crossing, you're beginning to understand that you need to be equipped so that you can understand being sent, so that you can understand how to serve others better. That's our goal. That's our desire. And so this year, what we've done is we've begun to introduce new things. We've begun to, to, <coughs> to op- offer new opportunities. As a matter of fact, but what I'd like to just say is that if you want to be a part of that church, we want you to be a part of that church. We're looking for people to help us build that. And many of you are just chipping in great. I've always, enjoyed, I've always had this vision. <coughs> Excuse me. I've always had this vision of crossing, becoming a place that is an equipping center for Christians. A place where Christians who are passionate about being mature in Christ and grounded and transformed into his image. And they, they, would, they would find out about crossing and they'd find out about the way they equip people and they'd say, I need to be there. It's not that I want to be there. It's that that place will help me to attain this in my life. I want to be there. And I honestly would tell you, I don't think I'm a builder guy. I don't think I'm the one that can really pull that off. I'm a dreamer guy. I'm an idea guy. Matter of fact, I love, I love, I love this photograph. Do you see it? Do you see it? What it is, the photograph is a photograph of Orlando, Florida before Disney got there. But Walt Disney himself is standing there and he sees what it can become. And it's vision for something that will happen but is not there yet. This morning I want to talk to you about us becoming an equipping church. Something we're not yet but something we can become. We're not as barren as Orlando in that spot, but we have some work to do before we're a castle, so to speak. This morning, I'm asking you to think about that and to imagine that. This past year, we have done a lot of laying a foundation for that. It's been, it was a great step a year ago when we hired Steve Adler. And we brought his skills in and his passion and, and coupled all of that with the, the ideas and the desire of the elders to see us becoming an equipping place. And so this past year, what you've seen happen here at Crossing, maybe you haven't because you're not in that circle, so to speak, and that's understandable. But what you've seen happen here is mops, mothers of preschoolers. What has happened now is they've met three times. We have 15 moms who come to church here on a, Sunday, on a Wednesday morning. They bring their kids. They're very loud children downstairs. I, you know, I don't, I'm not in children's ministry. Two is my limit, I think. That's why we have those two. Two, they bring their children downstairs. They populate downstairs well. And they come here. And those 15 moms, most of them don't come to Crossing. Many of them don't go to any church. And they come here. And they get to begin to be introduced to Christ, to church, to church people. That's happening right now. We started a new partnership with CEF. And what that means is, is that we now have someone who part-time, one day a week, comes in with us. Zach Darrell comes in with us on ch- Thursdays and works with Betty Joe and the Children's Ministry and a CEF partnership. And what has happened is, is CEF wants to see greater ministry in Lower Bucks County. They've had two, two 
good news clubs up to now in all of Lower Bucks County. One was at, one was at Goodno that Betty Joe and the staff do there. The other one is Wrightstown that they've done with Wycombe Baptist Church. They wanted to see more. This year, they were able to get into the Shamu School District for the first time. Two clubs, one at Pearl's Buck, one at another school. Where? Hoover. Very first time. They had 19 children at one and 22 at the other. First time out. First time out. And what they're doing with these good news clubs is they'd love to see all the elementary schools have good news clubs. So if you're in an elementary school somewhere here in Lower Bucks County and you'd love to see a, a good news club in your school, you need to talk to Betty Jo. Betty Jo, there she is. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> talk to her and say, how would we make that happen? Because what's happening is, is as they're doing these good news clubs, they have to spend four to five weeks of sharing the gospel with children. As a matter of fact, I love this story. Silas, can I tell a story about you? Thank you very much. What I really, really love is that we're seeing children who have never shared the gospel before learning how to share the gospel. One of our students who is a newer Christian is going to the Good News Club and is sharing the gospel for the very first time. Silas recently was going to the Good News Club at at Newtown. And I heard this story about you, Silas. So if I don't tell it exactly right, forgive me, okay? But, you know, Silas belongs to some of our homeschool co-ops and so he has not attended a brick and mortar. What grade are you in, Silas? Sixth grade. And so Silas is walking into Newtown Elementary. And so the conversation went something like this. So all this is a school, and people come here? Is that right so far? Yeah. And then he said, do they teach about Jesus here? I love this part. And his mama said, No. And he said, it's a good thing we're here then. It's a good thing we're here then. From the mouth of a six-year-old, he understands the purpose of CEF. He understands why we're there. And he thinks it's a good thing that we're there. Wouldn't it be great to have that in all of our Council Rock, Pensbury, Neshaminy, Morrisville, Truman, all those schools? to have that happening in all of them. I blast. What happens is, is that all these children go to, to, to the Good News Club and they're invited to come to a thing called I Blast. And basically what it is, is it's a weekly VBS program that will be happening here on our campus on Thursday nights. And matter of fact, this past week, on this past Tuesday night at Chick-fil-A here, they had the craft night. And so CEF and our Sun Country people were there painting faces and doing balloons and everything and inviting children to come to iBlast. They're going to do that again on Thursday the 20th. Also, on Tuesday the 20th, I guess that's this week, they'll be at Chick-fil-A Newtown inviting children to come to iBlast again. And so children can come here on a Thursday night and hear about Jesus. They'll get to play games, make a craft, and hear a lesson. We're going to be doing that for, for this fall. We'll be doing it again in the spring. Yeah, Can't stop my wife. Yep, yeah, there you go. Can't tell her to be quiet. <clears throat> Sorry. See? Okay. You want the microphone, honey? Okay, we're good. All right, great. See? Yeah, okay. She wants you to bring her children, okay? All right? The, and, then, and then all that is as kids are coming here and learning about being at Adblast and all, next summer we're offering a four-week day camp for every day, Monday through Friday, all day long. They'll come here. They'll have the opportunity to play games. You know, and it'll be like a day camp, but it's all going to be biblically based. It'll all be biblically based. And so the next thing is our women's ministry has, has had 
four events already this year. They have two more done. They've reorganized. They're just doing some cool stuff. Adventure Kids has happened three times where it's a father or a parent-child kind of discipleship program. Our congregational care team will kick off next Sunday. They've already been doing ministry, but next week you're going to hear about them. That's a new deacon team that has been up and formed, and, and they're doing ministry among us. Equipping classes. We offer those three classes this fall, this week, um, starting. We want to be offering more and more and more. And then behind the scenes, a couple of things, is our guest services is being revamped, and many of you have joined in on that. I have attended the training for that. And then also, in the first of the year, our first steps in assimilation program is going to kick in. And what that means is if you're new here and you're like, go, it's really hard to figure out how to get involved here at Crossing. We understand that. I'm sorry. We're trying to fix that. And so the first of the year, we'll be having that program rolled out so that if you come here to Crossing and we'll be able to say, this is exactly how you can get involved. Let me help you do that. It's like a roadmap, you know. And so all that is happening. And so most of that is happening underneath the guidance and the leadership of Steve Adler working with different ministry leaders here in our church. And so all that has been happening. But now I want to talk to you about this because all of that stuff is only structure. It is only like um, getting things up and running. It is like it, it is, it is the, the scaffolding for things that we're trying to build. We believe that some of this is beginning to pay off. A year ago, right now, we were averaging 193 people in church. This year, we're averaging um, 205. It's not a lot, but it's growth. We're happy for it. We praise God for it, and we'll celebrate it. Our guests are up, people coming through our doors. Sorry, guests, we're not going to talk about you. Nobody has to stand up or do anything. But, you know, we used to average six to eight guests a week. We're averaging somewhere between 10 and 16 a week, every single week. But very little of what I've just mentioned is really the goal. Their programs. The goal is still transformation. The goal is still seeing people come to full maturity in Christ. Really, what all these things are we've just been talking about, they're really just the scaffolding for the ride. They're really just there to support what we want to see happen. And that's, that what we want to see happen is that people's lives are transformed and people are becoming more like Christ. I can just tell you right now I can, that we are seeing things happen that have been like really, really huge spiritual battles for a long time in some people's lives. And we're seeing Christ have victory in them and changing lives. And, and it's just, and it, I mean, I wish you could just go public with all those things, but it's happening. It's happening. And I hope that it's happening in your life. And I'm telling you all this because I want you to see what's happening, what's beginning to happen, and what we want to see happen. But there's another part of this story that I want to tell you because I want you to know <clears throat> that it comes down to this. Downstairs in your boxes today is the 2016 budget proposal. It's not a small thing. Now then, if you're a guest here today, I'm just going to tell you something right off, the, right off the bat. This is the first time in over a year I've spoken about money. First time. You can go back to all the podcasts and you will not find a place where I ask for money. Nor can you be able to say that this church is all about money. That's not true. We're all about disciples. Sometimes it takes money to make disciples. And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time this morning. The number we put before you is a challenging number. I'm not going to say it's not, but I'm going to say it has a big vision behind it. It has a big vision behind it. We believe we have momentum and good stuff happening, and it cannot be sustained on our current giving, our current budget. And so, and on top of that, 
we still have the goal and the desire to hire the new pastor in 2016. So I dream of this place, and many of us dream of this place as being a place of equipping, where people can grow and learn and become really, really mature in Christ and serve others well. On my desk, at, right now in my office, I have several models of equipping classes, all kinds of stuff that I'm talking to the elders, and we want to roll out and begin to talk to you about. We would love for you to want to be a part of that. We would love for you to want to be a disciple. And we would love for Crossing to be a place that helps you do that. This year, <clears throat> what we're talking about is this. Right now, every single week, the 2015 budget means that $8,654 needs to come through those little boxes. Or actually, anymore, it comes through the mail a lot, an awful lot. Every single week. What that means is, oh, the other thing is this. Carl Payne, the master of our finances, um, who manages our finances for us, says on average we have about 71 giving units. What that means is there's 71 families, so, so they're a unit and she's a unit. 71 people who give at least more than once to our church. 71. If you take that weekly number, you divide it by those 71 people, it means on average those 71 people give about $122 a week. Now, I know that everyone doesn't give a write-out check for $122 a week. You might do it monthly, you might do it quarterly, but that's kind of like the number to work with. For us to go forward into 2016 and grow the way we want to grow, the numbers look like this. That 8,600 number goes to 10,264. Those 71 people right there, that, if there was only those 71 people, it didn't change at all, that number would go from $122 a week $245 a week. Now then, this is the other thing. Is that that's only, that number stays that way only if we only ever have 71 givers. Our church has more than that. We have the potential for about 100 givers. Some of us can't give right now. That's understandable. There are seasons of life that are like that. Some of us can't give 122 or 145. That's understandable too. There are seasons of life like that. But some of us can. Some of us should. Especially if we want to grow in the way I've talked about this morning. If you believe that the vision I talked about, about being an equipping church, is something you want to be a part of, what I'm asking you to do is take that budget home and pray about it. And ask God what your part in making that a reality becomes. Every single little bit makes a difference. I heard an interesting fact this week. <clears throat> Let's talk politics. I'll make some of you already begin to get nervous. Let's talk politics. <clears throat> Donald Trump says he's going to fund his entire campaign, but even so, he's raised about $4 million. I think that's the right number. The average gift to Donald Trump was only $50. Little gifts amount up to a lot of money. We as a church can meet that budget pretty quick. The authorities, those who know these things, say that the average Christian in America gives 2.5% of their income. 2.5% of their income. I don't know what that means for you. You might be doing that. You might not be doing that. I'm not sure. That's between you and God. matter of fact, I just want to tell you this. I don't know what a single one of you give. Not a single one of you. There's only two people who know that, God and Carl Payne. All right? 
Because Carl works our finances and he gives you your little receipt at the end of the year and all like that. Gosh, you're kind of like, well, we won't go there. <clears throat> I don't know what you give. I don't trust my heart with that kind of information. But God knows what you give. And God knows whether or not you're giving in such a way that you're hoarding it for yourself or whether you're giving it back to him in some fashion or another. What I'm asking you to do is to ask God about that. What does he desire of you in that regard, in that area of your life? You don't have to tell me. You just have to talk to him about it. You're accountable to him. And so I'm asking you to consider that. I'm asking you to take home that budget out of your mailbox downstairs, take it home and pray about it, and ask God if he has you being a part of that going forward in the future. If you're here and you're newer to crossing or you're a guest here at crossing and you want to know like what we believe about giving, I want to just tell you that what we believe about giving is what the Bible says. But I'll also tell you that I believe that Randy Alcorn has done an absolutely great job in summarizing that into a few very basic principles. The book is called The Treasure Principle. There's some of them standing back there by Vanna. Vanna, would you please show us the books? There you go. Thank you very much. They're back there for you. You can take one for free. You can take one for free and take it home and just ask God if this applies to your life. I hope that they're all gone when we get done here and that you go home and you read this little quick book and just see what God would do with it in your life. All right? So if you want to talk to me afterwards about all this, I would love to talk to you. If I've offended you by talking about money, I'd ask you to do the biblical thing and come and talk to me about it. Just don't go home and be mad. Just come and talk to me and tell me how mad you are. We'll work it out. I'm asking you to consider whether you want to be a part of an equipping church. Let's pray about that.